Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Everyone wants to be wealthy, but what does that even mean in the era of Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk? He's wealthy enough to spend $44 billion on Twitter because he doesn't like how it runs. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me to discuss this next installment of our Power Money Moves series is CNET senior reporter Aaron Carson. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks for having me. So when Elon Musk is worth more than $250 billion with a B and is snapping up Twitter like I would buy a console, what does that say about the state of wealth in America and really across the world? Yeah, you know, so we've always had rich people in society, right? But I think we're kind of living in this moment where they have a visibility that perhaps they have not had before. And so when we see somebody like Elon Musk grabbing up Twitter, like you said, like you might, you know, just buy some incidental item. It's kind of this reminder that there's this whole other strata of wealth that goes beyond what you might have thought is a rich person being maybe like a big house and a sports car or something like that. Right. And your story is set out to look at how people measure their wealth or success against the backdrop of these kinds of extreme fortunes. What did you find? You know, so with this story, I kind of went in wondering if people were going to feel like maybe what they had was insufficient just because of the presence of Musk and Bezos, because it's such an extreme, like maybe they're kind of kicking out the goalposts in general for, you know, like what we what we think is uh, successful. But I think extreme might be the key word here, because what I actually ran into a lot is this perception that they're just outliers. And maybe they're having less of an impact than you might think for the most part, just because what they have is, I mean, almost unattainable. Yeah. So the idea, I guess, of comparing yourself to an Elon Musk, even if you are extremely rich, I mean, I think the average show probably wouldn't do this, but if you were even a, a regular old, quote unquote, regular billionaire, comparing yourself to an Elon Musk is, is pretty pointless and unhealthy, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, pointless was a word that seemed to come up <laughs> a lot in this. Um, you know, the odds that any one of us are going to think of like the right idea at the right time, like for example, conceiving of Amazon in the 90s is pretty low. And otherwise, unless you're just inheriting a vast fortune or something like that, you can't really work your way up a corporate ladder and end up being worth you know, $167 billion. That's just, that's not how it works, you know. But that said, you know, one person I spoke to just kind of underlined this idea how there is this societal perception that the accumulation of stuff is what makes us happy. And so if you have a greater ability to buy things, that must mean that you're more happy. And of course, we know that's just not how that works at all. Yeah, and that uh, we talked a little bit. I talked to Farnoosh about this on Monday and just sort of the, the definition of wealth and, and how that's changed over time. I'm curious from, from your conversations with the people you talked to for your story, like what, what exactly are people aspiring to achieve when it comes to financial success? 
Yeah. So, you know, I, I talked to a bunch of different people on a few different sort of stations and, and life. And some of the common themes I uh, kind of came across is, you know, people wanting to have the ability to give back, uh, to use their wealth for like a specific purpose beyond, say, just amassing it. Um, you know, people wanted the, the ability to be free to do whatever they wanted creatively. Um or the ability to do something they're passionate about and not necessarily worry, like, are they going to be able to keep the lights on? And so uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was interesting that the theme there seemed to be something beyond saying, well, I just, I just want to put as many zeros you know, onto the end of my net worth as I can. And, and you, for your story, I mean, you did talk to an actual billionaire for this, I'm, I'm curious what, what that person had to say about amassing wealth and just his general attitude about his fortune. Yeah. So I spoke with John Codwell, who is a British billionaire who's worth um, a little bit over $3 billion. And his wealth came from having started the uh, UK mobile phone retailer Phones for You, which was like the largest uh, mobile phones retailer in the UK, um, you know, kind of back in the day. And he's you know, essentially at this point of in, in his life shifted all his focus to philanthropic efforts. Um, and, you know, he's had charities and stuff that he has started since the 90s. He is a part of the giving pledge uh, where he's committed to like essentially donate, I think at this point, 70% of his wealth, you know, to charitable causes. And it's interesting to talk to him because, you know, when when he thinks about amassing wealth, he's not thinking about it in terms of like, what am I going to leave for my children? Or, you know, can I be worth more than $3 billion? He's thinking about what he's going to be able to leave behind for charity causes. And, um, and when he, and he's been pretty vocal in the press about wealth and talking about other billionaires and saying he doesn't really understand why more billionaires aren't kind of committing <laughs> to this idea too, because it's not like you can take it with you. And, and wealth's for wealth's sake, he says he just finds really hollow. And I'm curious if, uh, like how, I guess, passing down some of that wealth to your, your family factors into that. I'm assuming... You know, he committed seventy percent. That thirty percent is probably going to his family. But like, did he did he say anything about like that balance between giving away your wealth versus passing some of that down? He didn't, you know, so much get into that specifically. But I know that in researching for this, what you know, some comments and things that I had run into elsewhere from <laughs> kind of similar type people is sort of that idea of like, well, like, what is the effect of leaving all of that money to your kids? Like, what does that do to them? You know, it's, it's like human beings and, and whatnot. Does, does anyone really need to um, have that much, uh, you know, money? And, and the thing is also, is like when you're, when you're talking about billions and billions of dollars, and even if you're like donating, say 70%, there's so much left over. So, you know, I think there's also some idea out there that like you can give away quite a lot and still have quite a lot left over for, you know, whatever your other intentions are. No, that, that makes sense. Uh, so for those conversations, like what, what is a healthier or smarter way to look at 
I guess, the overall point of building wealth? Yeah. So, you know, uh, for the story, for example, I spoke with a wealth manager and she was, you know, talking to me about how with her clients, the thing that she really emphasizes is wealth with some kind of goal in mind. And for some people, it's, you know, I want to have an easy retirement or I want to be able to pay for, you know, my kid's college or whatever the case may be. Um, But that seems to be kind of a a stronger, better like route to take than just getting hung up on on amassing it. Because here's the thing, and this is a a piece of something somebody else told me, is that for a lot of people um, in this situation, you don't really know what's enough. Like, are you going to be worth, say, $5 billion and feel like I'm good? Or is it the 6 billion that you're chasing or the 7 billion, you know? So it's like a void that you just don't get filled unless you've got some very specific goals in mind. No, that, that's a good point. I mean, personally, I would probably stop at 1 billion, but that's just me. Uh, but yes, like, like not having, I guess, tangible goals that you could actually use that wealth to achieve and if, if money is just the goal, then you just it just keeps going. I, I can see how that could that could turn bad pretty quickly. Uh, you know, you talked about that that idea of like sort of rethinking success and the the junior achievement program in your story. Uh, tell tell me more about that. Yeah, so you know, junior achievement is this program that's been around in uh, schools in the U.S. for a really long time. And kind of the idea of it is that local business leaders um, will, you know, come into schools and and do programs and, and kind of education and curriculum around the idea of, say, like financial literacy and entrepreneurship. Like I took junior achievement when I was, you know, in school um, and all of that. And, and for a lot of kids, this is kind of their first exposure to the idea of like, oh, maybe I could start a business one day. And so I talked to somebody at Junior Achievement who was saying that, you know, for them, the thing that they really try to emphasize is like, you look at your community and you see, is there a need? Is there a problem that I can fix? And, and can I maybe do something about that? Can I start like a business or some organization that addresses that? And if you happen to have an idea that makes you a lot of money, cool, but that's not really the point. You know, that's kind of like a secondary perk, but, but they really try to get kids to think about their communities and how they can <laughs> help them and whatnot. And, and the wealth comes later. And yeah, that's, that's a good point. Like just in general, like the next generation still looking to strike it rich or are they looking at these other goals that you're talking about? Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's a mix of things. Like, so when I was, uh, uh, you know, talking to the person from junior achievement, he was telling me about some research that they had that was, uh, kind of showing that teenagers and whatnot seem to have, and I'm sure, you know, not everybody, but some, some percentage of teenagers here seem to have like a feeling that they are going to be able to strike it rich younger. And one possible thinking behind this might be kind of the, the age that we live in of like influencers and whatnot that, Hey, maybe you'll be able to like blow up on Instagram or TikTok and get sponsorships and, you know, kind of go that route. And they, they like want to be rich and they, 
think that maybe they will be, but there's, there's like a couple steps in the plan, you know, that are, that are missing about how to actually do that. Um, but at the same time, I also spoke to um, a guy at uh, Syracuse University, Sean Brannigan, who runs the, the media entrepreneurship program there. And he was telling me that he has seen a shift in his entrepreneurship uh, students, even in just the past five or so years, where they seem to be more uh, interested or concerned with starting businesses that have like a lifestyle angle or some kind of like social justice angle and, and going that route versus coming into the program, wanting to be like another hoodie clad tech mogul. (laughs) And, and for him, the thing that he has been really trying to underline with them for, you know, a long time, um, is this kind of idea of like, you can find success uh, by being able to do something that you're passionate about. And that can be the marker for success. Can you, you know, uh, kind of keep keep your lights on, pay your bills, do all that, uh, do something you're passionate about. And that that becomes like how you define success. I think that's a good point to leave us on. Aaron, thank you for your time. You can check out our story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at Roger W. Chang. If you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.